Hi, I'm Ulysses, and this is Music, Meaning, and Mystery, a podcast for the other musicians. This month, our guest is Lena Savage. Lena joins me from the wilds of the American Pacific Northwest to talk about the bird auspices. We discuss the history of this art, how she's had to reconstruct it, and find ways to apply it to our most modern of times. You can visit Lena's website at lenasavage.com. That's L-E-I-N-A savage.com. You'll be able to read her auspices there. I would also like to invite you to visit this podcast's website, which is musicmeaningandmystery.com. You'll be able to subscribe for email notifications of new episodes, as well as occasional articles that I write. Okay, now for our conversation with Lena Savage. The birds tell you the future, then. (laughs) (laughs) Not so much the future, but... uh time outside of the, you know, one thing after another time. Um, and that's something I've been thinking about with divination a lot is what is it telling us? Um, is it telling us, yeah, the future or, uh, just the patterns, you know, the, the patterns of nature. Um, cause I feel like every form of divination, you have a system of archetypal things, and then a random timing component. So let's say astrology, you have the, um, you know, the, the signs and the planets and, um, you can, you know, ask a question at a certain time and see what the answer is based on, on that. Um, or, you know, see what the transits are, see what your natal chart is and apply it, you know, tarot, you know, basically the cards are all the hero's journey and, you know, you, throw them at random and it kind of echoes back the reality or the question that you had. Um, and I like to think about it uh, in terms of, uh, resonance. Um, so kind of get into the music thing when like I I was doing some tarot this morning and it just kind of strikes me when you, you know, put down your significators, it echoes back your question. And that's kind of how, you know, you're, you're in the flow and kind of in, in the, the uh, space of a reading is when you kind of see that that response echoing back at you. So with bird divination, it's very, I, I'm not going to say impersonal, but it's not, it's not like tarot where it's kind of all about me you know, or horary astrology, all about my question. It's about stepping into the bird's world and seeing nature through them and seeing what you might do to be a part of that better as opposed to, you know, ask a question about the future, get a response. And it turned into that, like in, in Roman times, you know, the, the senators made all these rules for the augurs to follow when they observed the auspices every day. And, you know, that was no fun at all. It kind of got systematized and turned silly and then lost to history. But I think that what it originally was, you know, bird omens really is about stepping into the flow of nature, not so much imposing our will on it or asking questions for our own edification, but, you know, how can we be a better part of this? Um, so that was a very long answer to your question. Sounds like, uh, it may not be divination, but listening. Yeah, I would say so. And I think divination done right is listening because you should be following signs and you should be listening to them. And, um, actually going back to my tarot practice, one, 
one thing I always did, this goes back years, that kind of prepared me for for doing this uh, bird divination practice is I always have a uh, parting word card where the deck can kind of say what it wants to say and you don't get a tainted at all. Like sometimes it's a, you know, you know, enough questions go away card. Sometimes it's something I completely overlooked. Sometimes it's just out of left field that I didn't even think to look for. And so when I made that shift in, in my divinatory practice, because starting out, it's always, you know, me, 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 my questions. But when I made it like, this is a living thinking, expressing object, you know, magical object, this deck, and I'm going to let it tell me what it wants to tell me because it probably has all kinds of things to tell me if I would just shut up and listen. And so I think you have to have that approach with the birds is you aren't asking them a question. You're walking into their world to, you know, see how, how they're responding to it and how they, how they feel about things and, um, you know, what are they observing in nature that you might have missed. I don't, it's not called, it's not a horoscope, though it reads slightly like it, like, like, uh, you know, like a, the, the weeks or horoscope in a newspaper. Uh, yeah. So, so, so what do you call it? I'm assuming there's a word for this, the bird, bird augury. Uh, yeah, I, I've been trying to <laughs> reconstruct all that myself. Cause like I said, um, it kind of got silly in late Rome and lost to history. Um, I call it reading the auspices. And that's that's where I landed. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the correct correct thing to call it, but it's 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 feeling right with me. Um, I called it augury reading for a while there, so yeah, it's it's kind of work in progress. But I, I call it reading the auspices. I think that's that's that sounds nice. Okay, well, I use the web browser appropriately enough called DuckDuckGo. Nice, <laughs> and it tells me it suggests ornithomancy, divination from the flight and cries of birds. I can makes... get behind that. Yeah, or, or ornithomancy. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm kind of trying to figure out with the the historical reading. Augury seems to be a specifically Roman thing, whereas everybody in the world has had bird divination or not so much divination, but you know, bird omens um, as part of their um, as a part of their tradition in. Rome in particular, there was kind of a public, uh, public role, public office. And when I decided I wanted to kind of get into the divination space, just kind of put myself out there. Yeah. Just Carter wasn't sitting with me. And I think it was just the, the approach, like the, it's, it's too human centered. Um, and I really like the idea in, uh, ancient augury is having a role for somebody to go out, observe nature on behalf of the human community come back to the human community and tell them what's going on in nature. And then just, we all go about our days. And I, I wanted to do it more that way, as opposed to, you know, advising people on relationship problems or <laughs> money problems or, you know, health, wealth, love, luck, the, the usual four. And yeah, I, I think, especially kind of in the wake of 2020, that definitely changed my, my approach to something more looking out into nature, you know, what can we what can we learn? What can we listen to as opposed to ransacking it for answers? I think that's a, a good way to go about it. Do you remember some of the first times you heard bird songs and they seem to be speaking of more than the, uh, the courtship of, of birds or the warning of, uh, about predators and so forth? The first one that made me like really pay attention to birds, um, it was a creepy one. It was in 2020, a couple of weeks before the, the wildfires, I saw a, um, 
this is kind of gory, but a bird that had apparently flown into the crook of a branch and snapped its neck. Like it was pretty grisly. Um, and so when I went out and saw that, I was like, okay, that's an omen. (laughs) It's an omen if I ever saw one. So yeah, that wasn't so much a bird song thing, of course. Um, but that was my first, like, okay, pay attention to the birds. Like seriously. And then I think it was just as I, um, I moved to a place also in 2020 that, you know, has some nice trees, tree line and all that. I would just start recognizing the calls of birds. And as I kind of got used to, Oh, that's, that's the sound of a spotted towhee. That's the sound of a blue jay. It was just kind of neat being able to sit inside and hear them outside my window and, you know, recognized by their calls. And somebody on a Zoom call had some blue jays um, in the background on their call. And I was like, oh, you've got some blue jays out there. And I'm like, yeah, how did you know? Um, so I, I decided that was kind of neat. Um, but they, they talk to you. I mean, even just on a perfectly ordinary, you know, if you keep a feeder, um, the, the hummingbirds will dive bomb you if their food's low and, you know, the blue jays will squawk at you when they're, when their food's low and they'll, they'll know when you're coming out. And so you kind of form a relationship, um, that way with them. And what I especially like is just watching them and just learning what they sound like and, yeah, kind of going off book, not try not to do the bird watcher thing because it just feels like a science class and it's miserable, but, um, just frolicking around the woods and looking at birds and what they sound like the final straw for, okay, this is a thing. <laughs> this is a thing I'm doing now. It was shortly before I started doing the, uh, subscribe star readings. I saw it, it, it was just mind bending. It was an owl and two woodpeckers just hanging out around a tree in the middle of the day. And I'm like, I never see owls during the day. I rarely see woodpeckers, let alone lone two. And then I never see all three of them together. <laughs> and so after that, I was like, okay, this is just silly. I've, I've got to learn, got to learn what all these mean. Yeah. It just kind of went from there. Um, I would say when I, I started doing it more consciously and doing the write-ups is when I, I really started to understand the sound component though. Um, because if you don't, seabirds flying overhead and oftentimes they don't especially if it's rainy which it always is here um you kind of have to go off the sound and that's how i got into the sound part i read the 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 subscribe subscribe star and obviously you're putting that out there for people not in your immediate geographic area to read so do these i guess auspices apply in like across the board or are they location dependent? Yeah. yeah, I'm just curious about how that works there. I'm curious how it works too. (laughs) I guess what I think in terms of reading the auspices is like I kind of said before, you know, human going into nature on behalf of human community to learn from, you know, to, to hear what nature has to say and then bring it back. I think that could apply to an online community. Some of them are very specific Pacific Northwest though. Um, like today's was, um, kind of about the rain we've been having. Um, we've been having like torrential rain that's, um, kind of ruining the starts and it's, it's been an unusually cold May. So yeah, that obviously doesn't apply to anybody outside, you know, coastal Oregon and Washington. I'm trying to figure out how to, how to structure the, the readings, because like I said, I, I kind of started it in March. Um, and it was very experimental. Like I didn't have any subscribers. I, I still, <laughs> still don't have a ton. And so I'm trying to figure out what the best format is. Like, is it something that should be done more locally? Is it something that applies to an online community? 
and and I'm also just curious what you know how how do time zones play in? Because auspices are supposed to be kind of for the day, you know, sunrise to sunset. And I'm on the West Coast, so that's practically the end of the 24-hour day in in universal time. So yeah, I'm working out how that how that all all factors in. For now, I'm just kind of focusing on what are the birds' cries mean, um, or their you know their songs direction they're coming from and just kind of uh developing a system there so you're talking it's not so much about uh extracting uh, answers from from the bird world but are there questions involved uh the traditional roman kind of start of the ceremony is to just ask the gods you know if they would like to send a sign you know please please send one so i guess that's kind of the general question is just general openness to you know a sign a sign from the gods if if that's what they decide to send and that's usually you'd probably expect a more dramatic like you know some some owls and eagles and all those um in in rome they actually didn't um acknowledge songbirds um and most of my readings are about songbirds i like kelly surtees her approach to astrology i really like her approach where she's always looking for you know where where can you you know find you know the moments of um personal connection or personal growth or just, you know, when to, when to have a nice time. And that's something that comes a lot in my readings, especially with the songbirds is, yeah, are, are we paying attention to the little things in life? You know, are we taking joy in finding our sustenance and our friends and the, the things that bring us joy in our life? Yeah, I guess it's not so much a question, but like, what are the signs? You know, what, what signs can nature point us to, uh, to show us how to live better today, I guess would be the, the best general question that I, I would have going into a reading. I would really like to think that the wisdom that the birds are trying to impart is to take joy and sustenance in the little things in life. It's very St. Francis because he, he has a whole, whole song to the birds. Like they're not worried about clothes and food. They just, they just hang out, yeah. um, you know, to, to paraphrase. No, I, I think that is kind of the lesson is, you know, don't worry, be happy. That's that's what the birds seem to be doing. Yeah, and uh, I feel like it's they f- facilitate that by being cute and sounding pretty and uh, being, you know, humorous. In, in my area, we have uh, a lot of magpies, a lot of like, bush, like small bush birds, you know, but uh, we have quail. Quail oh, wow. are very prominent, and I've taken a, a special liking to the quail. I think they're because they're like chickens, right? Yeah, and they're very cute. But they, the way that they they sing is is I find is prettier than than chickens. It's like they're like cute <laughs> like cute chickens, which uh, kind of leads me into asking about the the like you're saying systems of divinations are essentially like archetypes that tell a story or something like that. So t- tell us about some of the bird archetypes. Yeah. So uh, songbirds are my favorites. They, they're the ones I, I mean, they're the ones I interact with the most often. And yeah, I think they, they really are about um, enjoying the small things. Um, traditionally they're ruled by Venus. Uh, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, although some, you know, have Mercury qualities and Mars qualities and, you know, all, all the planets 
Um, but yeah, I, yeah, songbirds are, are my favorite. Um, chickadees and spotted towhees are the, the two I, I see most often up here. Um, then robins. Crows, I think, are the next ones that uh, show up most often. You know, very dramatic birds that pretty much every every culture on earth that has them has, you know, recognized them as kind of a portentous, ominous, and very talkative <laughs> uh, kind of bird. They're usually uh, correspond to Saturn and yeah, usually kind of ominous, but at the same time, you, you know, it's, it's nice that they, nobody messes with them. Um, that's something in Carlos Castaneda's work that he talks about at one point is uh, turning into a crow for journeying because uh, they don't have natural predators. Um, they're very discreet. They're, you know, you can go anywhere as a crow and nobody will, will freak out about it. So they're, they're very interesting birds in that respect. Um, you know, definitely cosmic messengers of sorts. And long before I ever got into like a augury practice, um, yeah, crows were, were definitely my, my omen, <laughs> my omen birds. So that, those are cool. Blue jays, Mars birds, they are cantankerous and loud and make a mess everywhere and just kind of uh, casually beat up on all the songbirds. Um, you know, very territorial. <laughs> they're not very nice, but they're very distinctive. You can hear them, you know, from, from far away. So they, they make a lot of appearances in the readings too. Let's see, where was I? Hummingbirds, Mercury, love hummingbirds. Anything, any birds that are uh, fast, like small and fast uh, swallows, hummingbirds. Those are are kind of the the main Mercury birds. And then I think those cover the ones that I've I've seen for readings. I have not seen waterfowl yet while doing these, um, but those traditionally are associated with the moon um, since they're associated with water. And let's see who did I miss? Oh yeah, eagles, hawks, and uh, birds of prey uh, relate to Jupiter and are also considered, you know, very auspicious and portentous. Infinitely fascinating. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's fun because you, um, you, you kind of build the associations uh, from observing them. And I'm like spotted tohi. They're, they're a type of uh, sparrow. They have a upward inflected call, like a little question, like they're asking a question. And so, and they're orange. So I kind of associated them with mercury sometimes, even though, songbirds in general would fall or sparrows in general would fall under venus but it's like mm, i think it's more of a mercury sparrow in this case and it's fun because you know they didn't have those in ancient rome so i gotta come up with my own interpretation has this had an effect on your appreciation of music uh being a special attention to the birds Oh yeah. It has, I have gotten into a really, a more acoustic types of music lately. Anything that sort of has a woodsy, you know how forests have those layers of sound, I, you know, literally a symphony, like, you know, sim together, phony sound, a bunch of sounds together. And uh, yeah, the, the first symphony is, is forests. <laughs> You have like the nice base layer of, you know, streams in the distance or underground streams um, or rain, you just, you know, kind of a deep, deep water sound, you know, the, the, you know, higher notes of the songbirds, the middle range of the wind in the trees. And I just love listening to pretty much anything that isn't a solo instrument and just seeing how the sounds layer. 
there's a band, uh, Kateira from Brazil. I don't even know what genre anymore. It's like black metal played with a flamenco guitar. So <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, but it, I mean, it even incorporates bird sounds in, in some of the, in some of the songs. And I'm like, oh my God, this is a forest. This is so beautiful. On a similar vein of the, uh, uh, black metal, there's a, um, Cascadian black metal band, uh, Wolves in the Throne Room, you know, older band, they've been around a while. And they also have very foresty, foresty layering to their sounds. And, uh, that's something I, I, I really enjoy about their, about their music is, it's music that was written by somebody who clearly lives here. Once my husband and I were outside listening to one of their albums and one of their albums actually ends with uh, some samples of bird song and the same kind of bird started singing right when the album ended. So it's like a, the bird just kind of picked up and carried it on. So yeah, lots of, lots of listening to uh, albums in the rain lately. So I went hiking up a mountain a few weeks ago and just, decided to go down the other side the mountain and I could hear frogs in the distance so that's obviously wetland so I went down there and I could hear red-winged blackbirds uh, I'd never heard them before their their song is really really quite amazing uh, and what was impressive to me is that as I approached, uh, the blackbirds sang a lot they, and they did a lot of acrobatics and it was like watching a show, right. Uh, play fighting and, and then the, but the frogs had quieted down the Cause I think they heard me coming, right. Birds can fly away. So they're not too worried about me, <laughs> but frogs can't fly. So they just kind of became, uh, they tried to become invisible, but after 15, 20 minutes of me being quiet, they started and they all started <laughs> like one started and oh, then they wow. all started and then they quieted down and then the blackbirds so, so they had taken a bit of a break. They were still going. But when the frogs quieted down, the blackbirds took over again. It really was like movements of of a piece of music. It really was like that. Well, it reminds me of sometimes like in an opera, you'll have like, you know, the chorus on one side of the stage say something, then the chorus on the other side of the stage will say something. Um, and then you have that like dialogue, like a, it's a play or something. It's theater. Um, that's something I really love in, in, in uh, going out in the mornings is sometimes you can hear that, oh, there's a bunch of songbirds in the south that are singing happily. And then all these crows in the west are making a bunch of noise and the songbirds start you know, complaining about the crows and they have this back and forth. I, I think that's just amazing to watch. Um, and like, you know, nature. Yeah, they, they really do treat it like a jam session. And um you can kind of tell when birds sing over each other though, and they do sometimes and they don't like it. And it's, it's kind of amusing to hear that too. Like, uh, the, the West song birds and the South song birds are having a rap battle, I guess. <laughs> that's, uh, that's something they do also. Last Friday, I, I saw a really cool one. It was, it was raining, just like torrential rain. Just couldn't yeah, no, no birds singing. Just, it was, it was the rain's time. Um, the rain suddenly stopped and then this one songbird started kind of having this rapid succession of, um, a few chirps 
and it was almost chiming. And then you kind of hear these other birds chime in. And I'm like, it felt like I walked in on a ritual or something like, what are they doing? This is so interesting. So traditional closing question, what should people listen to? Nature. I, I think listening to nature is an important one because nature has a lot to tell us and we have been out of touch for so long. Yeah. And the, after nature, I would say uh, music that's authentic and inspired and that that is made by people who aren't just, you know, doing it for, for a paycheck that, you know, are actually kind of, you know, listening to, you know, nature and inspiration and, you know, wherever else we get our ideas from and, yeah, expressing it authentically in the world. Like you can definitely tell authentic from inauthentic music and, um, yeah, find the authentic stuff, whatever, whatever your genre is. Very cool. I love, I love the songbirds and, uh, you're giving me permission to listen to the songbirds the way that I want to listen to. Awesome. They have <laughs> good. <laughs> they, they are the OG musicians. So I think, um, the rest of us should be listening to them. Listening to nature. We could have a conversation about what nature is, but why complicate things when we know nature by listening? A few days ago, something dormant within me awoke. My wife and I were sitting on our deck, as we often do at day's end. We have a few large candles we like to burn as the sun goes down. We can hear the crickets sing as the birds end their tune for the night. The occasional toad croaks as the night falls on the valley. Our tone of conversation follows. We talk about dark things, frightening unknowns lurking in shadows. I think this is the most optimal setting for this sort of conversation as we can discuss these things more calmly in the dark. The conversation turns to war and rumors of war, and then intertwines with the mission of angels and the allure of fairies and gnomes. As I settle to bed, a too-long-ignored wave of yearning crests strong within me. My wife and I then decide we will commit to end our war on the rhythm of the day-night cycle and instead meet it harmoniously. To put it in less poetic words, this means that when night comes, we will not reflexively reach for the light switch to banish the dark. We will choose instead to light candles and do what seems appropriate for night work, prayer, meditation, sleep, and whatever else we deem night-worthy. I think this is listening to nature, and I think this is tuning the life experience to live a harmonious song whose rhythm is time outside of time. 